have you ever had a totally normal day? All of a sudden, something happens that turns your day and the next few weeks totally upside down. A spilled cup of coffee leads to four second-degree burns and a trip to the local clinic. I just get the feeling, and maybe you do too, that this is not going to go well. your question have you ever had a totally normal day not not adventurous you've not planned anything you're just sitting in your lounge maybe drinking a cup of coffee and all of a sudden something happens that turns your day and the next few weeks totally upside down now this is a very personal story um so somebody wants to tell. And I want us to listen because it's, it's just great. And it's a friend of ours. And, uh, and I know you'll enjoy it. So just listen to this. So it started on October 3rd on a Saturday morning. I was sitting on the end of the sofa in the family room with a cup of coffee like you've got in your hand. And it became unstable and fell over. And it was a steaming hot cup of coffee. Right. Came unstable spilt all down me, all down my left side. I remember you showing here. me that. Yes. Yeah. Wound up with four um, second degree burns, which I did not realize how severe they were. Four second degree burns that were really sore. And I thought, oh, you know what? I can treat these myself. I'm going to use tea tree oil. <laughs> I'm going to do self-care. Tea tree oil covers every ill. Is that sure. Yeah, yeah. It does. It heals everything. <laughs> under normal circumstances. So during the course of that, by Thanksgiving Monday or Sunday, Erica was over for dinner and she looked at me and she said, Mom, you look like Nana. When Nana was really ill, we're going to the clinic tomorrow morning. I'm picking you up. And you know how tenacious my daughter is. Absolutely. She showed up in the driveway. Almost as tenacious as her mother. As nine, nine o'clock in the morning. Let's go. Hightail it over to the clinic. Wow. Good. So we went into the clinic, and they're amazing. We saw Dr. Fisher and looked at them and said, they're infected. They're all infected. And he actually took a picture of them because he was convinced I would have to have a skin graft. Wow. So he bad. said, no, no, you're, you know, at that point, that's what they thought they were dealing with, was right. four burns. Did you hear that? A spilled cup of coffee leads to four second-degree burns and a trip to the local clinic. Now, <laughs> I just get the feeling, and maybe you do too, that this is not going to go well. And of course, each day after that was I got weaker and weaker and weaker. Yeah. Yeah. So sleeping on the couch, Bill came down. I sort of roused I, a bit, but like I told you earlier, I have no memory. 
right? After wow. about the Wednesday of that week. Wow. Zero memory. Yeah. So I guess he tried to get me up, rouse me a little bit. Um, by the afternoon, by 2.30 in the afternoon, I was unresponsive. That fast? Yeah, unresponsive. So he phoned 911, got okay. the ambulance here. The ambulance came at um, 3.30. It's what he tells me. I'm relying on his version of the story. <laughs> um, took me over to the health center where I was put in the trauma room. And Dr. Fuller and another doctor and three nurses worked on me till 9.30 that night. Wow. You know, I, I don't think that I have ever in my life been sick enough that somebody had to work on me for nearly six hours just to get me ready to be moved for treatment. Now, now some of you know Fran and Bill, right? Um, this is Fran, the Energizer Bunny. But this is Fran, the Energizer Bunny, with the battery kicked out. And, and as you listen to it, just, just think, what, what would you do in that situation? Um, and Dr. Fuller took Bill aside, said to, to Bill, he said, you know what, this is really serious. Yeah. If you hadn't got her in here, she wouldn't have made the morning. And at that point, he wasn't sure I would make it. Yeah. So they did everything that they had and got me stabilized. They had to call the advanced life support ambulance. I couldn't go on a regular ambulance. I had to go on the advanced life support ambulance. It had to come from Vancouver. So it came up from Vancouver, then I was transported to Lionsgate, and then in intensive care yeah. for the next three days. And at Lionsgate, I, going from what Bill tells me, and the doctors um, in in intensive care, not cognitive. Right. Well, I think I was I was sedated to keep right. me calm. Um, vaguely remember the internist, Dr. Boussier, coming in to see me. And I was convinced he was on the ceiling in the room. He, <laughs> he was, was on the ceiling. He was walking on the ceiling talking yeah. to me. You're the one that's right? hammered. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, ha I'm hammered. <laughs> but he's on the ceiling talking to me. And I have no idea who he is. I have no idea where I am. This amazes me, right? Can, can you imagine? One minute, you're sitting there drinking a cup of coffee. Next minute, you're... Waking up in intensive care with something attached to your arm that looks like a spaceship that you don't understand because you're so drugged up with what they've pumped into you in the hospital while you've been drifting in and out of consciousness. Now, we all like to have a measure of control in our lives. Some people are control freaks, some people a little bit less so, but we all like to be in control. But ask yourself a question, like, who's in control here? Because as I'm listening to this story, it certainly doesn't seem as if it's Fran who's in control. So three days in intensive care, which I guess then I became responsive. Right. And I do remember a little bit then yeah. of coming out of intensive care. Um, and talking to me and saying, okay, you know, we're going to move you. And that's, you know, you just, you really don't realize what's going on, right? Which is mm. probably a good thing. 
Yeah. They keep you sedated yeah. and you don't know. So after the three days, um, that one night they transport person comes and took me upstairs to a ward, to a two-person ward. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night because the IV alarm went off because right. one of the IV sacks yeah. was empty. And it went off and the nurse came in to change it. And I said to her, where am I? She says, you are really, really sick. You're in Lionsgate Hospital. We're going to take care of you. And then looking over at my arm at the IV and seeing this IV plug on my arm that must have had 12 plugs. It looked like a spaceship. <laughs> and I'm looking at it going, what the heck is this? And I think I was up in the room maybe three days. Bill had come several times. And I had a catheter, so I didn't have to get out of bed, right? Yeah. And as I said to them, all the nurses, you know what? Once you walk in the door of the hospital, your dignity yeah. and your grace is gone. Yeah. Humility, it's gone. Yeah. You, you lose, you have to surrender that. Yeah. You have to let go of it and go, you're the caregiver. Yeah. I just have to accept it. Right. Right. Huh. You know, it's, there's a subtle shift here. Um, Fran is, is in a place and some of us get to different places in our lives where, where we realize and she realized that she could not help herself and that she could not heal herself. Now, in the, in the 12 steps program, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, step two is coming to the belief that you need the assistance of a higher power. Now, Fran knows who that higher power is for her. And, uh, and you hear her talk about that, like it's in her voice, it's, it's how she prays, it's, it's all those things. And she's calling out and, and trusting and abandoning herself to a procedure and procedures that are humiliating but that beyond her control and surrendering to a higher power. That's a scary place to come to in your life. But, as we're about to see, that's the beginning of the road to healing, which is a great thought. Next morning, Dr. Boussier, the internist, comes bounding in the room. This guy was a runner, right? He's right. a marathon runner. And he <laughs> would, like, literally bound in the room. And he'd yell, Cuthbert! I'd say, still here. I'm okay. Still here. Cut. Yeah, still here. So he, he came in and he said, I'm sending you for a GI, you're bleeding. Okay. I looked at him and I said, I cannot understand one more thing you're telling me. Yeah. I, I was done. Yeah, I don't speak medical dictionary. Yeah. Like I was over it. I'd had so many blood tests. I'd had so many needles, I had yeah. all the IV. I said to him, I do not understand that. You have to phone my husband. Right. I do not. So they called Bill. Got him on the phone. Dr. Boussier explained, and he said, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. So he gave me this form to sign, which I kind of scribbled. I couldn't even write. <laughs> he's going, well, it just has to hold up a court, and he's giving this form to initial, and I said, okay. Anyway, the test showed three bleeding ulcers. Wow. So and you didn't even know you had them? Nope. No idea. So on top of the wounds, on top of the three infections, yeah. the sepsis, now three bleeding ulcers. Right. So 
Okay, Fran, Francis, they've been calling me Francis. Tomorrow you're going back down, they're going to repair it. So I just surrendered. Yeah. I surrendered. I was like, you know what? It, it is what it is. I have to get it done. So the next day I went back down, sedated. They cauterized and did the repairs. Wow. And so, you know, and I, I, at the whole time, and I would lie in bed at night and I would pray and I'd say to God, you know what? Please, when I wake up, it's this is a nightmare, right? Like, get me yeah. out of here. No, <laughs> not happening. We're going to throw more at you. Which, and I guess, you know, and the real thing is, none of you knew, right? Like, everybody thought mm -hmm. it was the coffee burn. Yeah. But the coffee burn brought to light the infection. Yes. Yeah. And then the infections brought to light the bleeding. Because yeah. who knows how long that bleeding could have gone on. And then I would have been even sicker. Yeah. So he, every morning, or twice a day, they did blood work yeah. and your blood sugar levels. And the blood work, my hemoglobin had dropped to 70. Okay. So that was time for medical intervention. Yeah. Dr. Boussier comes bounding in. New program. We're giving you hemoglobin. We're going to okay. give you blood transfusions. Which required a new IV port. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So here we go again. I the last one of the IV ports they put in here, I turned literally, and I'm not joking. I went black and blue from mm. here down to here because mm -hmm. they hit something. Anyway, new IV port, blood transfusion, which you have to lie and not move. Yeah, you're not for three hours. Yeah, you have to just be still. Point after the blood transfusions, they came in and. One afternoon and the nurses and all this commotion and moving and I said, What's going on? We're moving you. I said, Oh, now where? Yeah. <laughs> Next door into a private room with a lift. Because I couldn't I was so tired, exhausted, no energy, I couldn't stand up. Right. And I had no strength. I couldn't the tray of food would come. I couldn't even lift the lid mm -hmm. off or cut my food. Right. Yeah. So they had to move me to a room with a lift. Right in order to get me from the bed to a wheelchair to try and get me mobile. Right. Which was great. What do we do when we come to the end of ourselves? What do we actually do when we come to the end of our strength? Like, who inspires us? Who do you call? <laughs> yeah. Who do you want to call? Ghostbusters. I went from Ghostbusters. No. So what do you do? Do you read your horoscope? Do you crack open a fortune cookie? Check your NASDAQ index? Or call your stockbroker? What do we do? Who do we turn to when we're at the end of our rope? They continue to work on, on my mobility and we use the stride walker. And then I remembered that Bob Green had been in that same hospital mm -hmm. in Squamish. And yeah. I remember visiting him in that room. Right. And I looked at the metal walker at the end of the bed. And I went, Bob, hmm. you did this. Yeah. You lifted weights in this hospital. I, too, can do this. Yeah. I'm going to do this. So I used to talk to God a lot. And I talked to the walker a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then they... You know, it took it took several several days, right? Where I could get to the walker, and they would get me from the bed to the walker, 
to the wheelchair. Now, Fran said she talked to God a lot. Hmm. She talked to God a lot. That makes you think. Makes me think. Now, pin your ears back and listen to the rest of this journey. The other thing is that when this all happened, and you asked me this, nobody knew mm -hmm. what had gone on. And <clears throat> for Bill, it was so overwhelming, right? Yeah. Because it came on so quick. There was no prelude to it. I had yeah. not, you know, I had not had a diagnosis or yeah. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. It just came on very suddenly. And then I was in the clinic and Dr. Fuller pulled Bill aside and told him how serious it was. Yeah. And it scared him. Yeah. Yeah. He also saw me in the hospital where I was horribly exhausted. Yeah. Barely able to hold a conversation with him. I had trouble when you came to mm -hmm. see me. Yeah. And he just. They have that effect on people. Well, you do. Yeah. They don't want like, to talk to you. No, no. They don't. <laughs> Put them to sleep. Just, you, you've been sitting here chatting and you've got this Bible in front of you. Yeah. So what's that about? Okay, I'm going to read. I'll go. <laughs> it's my favorite verse in the book. And uh, I was going to read it at the beginning, but we didn't get there. So I'll read it now. But this is my verse. Yeah. Um, it's from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Mm. And for sure, God gave me a spirit of love and self-discipline. When I was in the hospital. Nice. And still. Yeah. And still. Yeah. Right? And I think, you know what? Thank heavens. I yeah. Just thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Second Timothy. So 2 Tim. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Wow, we live in an age of fear right now. Fear being stoked on every news broadcast. Um, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. Isn't that a great thought? You see, when we rely on ourselves and our own strength, like truly things do not work out very well. Um, they really don't. But when we throw ourselves and surrender ourselves, as, as, as Fran was talking about, surrender into medical procedures and surrender into a higher power and call it out to a higher power. When, when we surrender ourselves uh, to be helped by God, things change. Now, if ever there was a time for peace uh, and, and a sound mind, it's now, like right now. And, and I wonder... Like now, today, right where I am, right where you are, now I'm sitting in an empty room here. This room should be full of people. And I'm looking forward to the day when it is. But right now, who do you call out to when things don't go well? Who is our trust in? Who's, who's my hope in? Who, who's guiding me? Who's leading me? Like we've been talking about. And Fran comes back to this in the middle of a really tough situation. She knows where to go. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Now she's going through all this, 48 days in hospital, tubes, needles, indignity of, of all the stuff that she's going through. Waking up, not knowing where she is, confusion, panic, 
all of these things. And still, in the middle of all of that, whether it turns out well or not, her trust is still in God. I wonder right now, do you know or trust in the God that Fran is talking about? It's a great question to ask ourselves. You know, you don't want to go through that. You don't want to go through that 48 days in hospital and all this time at home. But at the same time, I'm going to brought to light things that were going on that yes. needed to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah. That Amen. I didn't know. Yeah. Underlying health issues yeah. that I didn't know. Yeah. Spill a cup of coffee and they find out that you're bleeding internally. Got a volcano. Like, just incredible. <laughs> I know. Incredible. And I also want to say thank you to not only Bill for everything he did for being a rock, also to all, you know, to all our friends in this community and to the church family. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible the outreach that we received. Nice. Of cards, gifts, meals, you know, just encouragement, prayer. Right. Yeah. Ongoing and is still ongoing. So very grateful. And that's another part of this amazing community. It's not just the medical system. It's a community who wears its heart on its sleeve mm -hmm. and truly, truly, truly cares. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very lucky, which yeah. is why you're moving here, right? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you may need healing today. You may need God to give you a sound mind today. You may need peace. You may need power, love, and a sound mind to come into your life. You may be ruled by fear. You might be covered with timidity. Um, and I believe that the answer to that is in Jesus. I really do. Um, that's why I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I want to pray for us about that, if you don't mind. Okay, so Father, in Jesus' name, if people are listening to this right now and in their hearts they know they need healing, in their hearts they know that they're in situations that are beyond their control. And whether they're in 12 steps or not, uh, we come to a point in our lives right now where we realize that we need a higher power to intervene on our behalf. We ask you, Jesus, to forgive us, to help us, to strengthen us, to heal us, to restore our minds, um, to put us on a path to healing. Father, do that. Please, in the name of your son, Jesus. Help the doctors who may be working with us. Give them wisdom. Help the medical professionals who, who we work with, but also speed healing. And we ask for nothing, nothing less than your healing touch in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for praying. And God bless you.
Oh, church, I'm uh, here with Pastor Phil today, and we have some very important announcements for you. Uh, as of February, February 2021, we are celebrating. We are excluded to be officially welcoming Pastor Phil as our next lead pastor for the Christian Community Church. It is a little weird to be officially welcoming someone who has been in the church family for over three years. It's still has been. But weird and unusual is a little bit of the way that we all hear that Pemberton Community Church, as you know, Phil. But Phil, on behalf of the elders, on behalf of the Pemberton Community Family, I would like to officially welcome you as our minister and pray that God will bless you and continue to bless your ministry into the church and into our church family. So welcome, Pastor Phil. to find their way at the sound of your great name all condemned feel no shame at the sound of your great name Every fear has no place at the sound of your great name. The enemy, he has to leave at the sound of your great name. the 
church family uh, foolishness with Phil and myself take it for granted uh, but we do have some other things that we do want to uh, talk with you about today one of the things we want to talk about is, is we really do miss our church family we are missing getting together for our Sunday worships we're missing our communion time we're missing our potlucks uh, missing the small group times that we are getting together during the week so we are missing everyone big time. We also are hoping uh, and trusting that you are somehow in a small bubble of, of people that uh, can be caring for you and that you can be uh, caring for each other. And uh, we have no really idea when uh, this these measures are going to be be finished. Um, but we really hope that you're, you're connected. And just to encourage you again, to reach out to Phil, myself, anybody uh, with the elder team, if, uh, if we can be helping in any way. We are gonna be having uh, an official installation service for Phil. Uh, we've been bantering around how to do that, whether to do it online or do it in person, and it just seems to be such a personal thing to be able to be part of a morning service where we can all, as a church family, present together be able to uh, celebrate Phil's uh, lead pastor role here at the church and to be able to bless him and pray for him and, uh, and anoint him as he continues to, to serve the church here in the valleys. So we do want to just say, uh, yeah, just bless you. Uh, we do also, even though we were making a bit of a fun about the mumbo jumbo, we are totally stoked and excited uh, about Phil and his uh, role as lead pastor here at Pembroke Community Church. So, Phil, we are excited about that, and uh, and uh, just I'll let Phil finish up. I am very excited to to uh, been asked to to stay here as the lead pastor. I, I really am, um, and both me and Miriam are excited to be here, and we're we're also missing 
gathering together and seeing everybody face to face. If you look on the website, though, like keep keep going to the website because there is going to be some stuff that we're going to be doing, of course, maybe at the church here. Um, uh, so so keep keep looking at the website because that will be good. Uh, we do miss you, and I'm going to just do something here. If you look around, I am so glad that the church is not a building, but it's people, because that is a sad sight. Just having the place empty like that. Um, it needs humans. So when we can get together again, it will be a good thing. So bless you and stay safe. And from Mark and myself, uh, keep encouraging each other, phoning each other, emailing, all that type of stuff. Right? Bless you and see you soon. <laughs>